Fill Easter baskets this year with the adorable children's book, Jesus Calling, the Story of Easter. You can find Jesus Calling, the Story of Easter on special at booksamillion.com. You know, I think it's so fascinating that God is strong, but a lot of times women think, okay, but strong is wrong because we have actually associated strength with the things that would be ungodly, anger, punishment, rebellion, but strength is actually this incredibly beautiful expression of God in our life. And a lot of times women do not understand that strong is not wrong for them. You not only have the right, you have permission from God to be strong. Welcome to the Jesus Calling Podcast. Our guests this week have had to discover where their strength lies, and both have concluded it comes from seeking God. Writer and speaker, Lisa Bevere, and former WWE wrestler, Kurt Angle. Lisa Bevere's mission is to lift up women no matter where they are and remind them of the God-given strength they have right now, which she talks about in her new book, Strong. But Lisa didn't always have a heart for women. She feared being wounded by them, the way her mother had unknowingly wounded her as a child. God showed Lisa how He can use our weakness to show His strength, and Lisa went on to mentor thousands of young women in her ministry. I'm Lisa Bevere. I am a mother to four men, a grandmother to four, and in so many ways, I hope a godmother to thousands. I have such a heart to see women empowered, to be strong, but understanding that they don't have to take their strength from somebody else, but they get their strength from God. You know, when I was a young girl and I had become a Christian at 21 years of age and then got married and I just did not know, I thought, I need help. I think I'm a crazy person. I don't know how to be a mother. I don't know how to be a wife. I haven't had any of this modeled well for me. And everywhere I turned, I'd see this pastor's wife or that pastor's wife. And I thought maybe, maybe they will think I'm worthy of their attention. Maybe they will say, okay, Lisa, I I can see you're struggling here. Let me help you. Let me lift you. And for eight years, I look for that woman. And I remember my husband tricking me into doing a women's meeting. And I said, hey, wait a minute. I feel like women, they have this weird language where they don't say what they mean. They don't mean what they say. I don't want to be associated with that. And so I got on my knees and I was like, God, you know, I've asked for you to send me a woman who would love me and pour into me. And you haven't done it. So I am not going to actually be able to minister to women. And I said, I don't like them. You know, there was a reason why I didn't like women. It wasn't that I hated being a woman. It was that I felt both wounded and vulnerable as a woman. My mother had not gotten what she needed from her mother. And because she had not gotten what she needed from her mother, I didn't get what I needed from my mother. And I felt so ill-equipped to actually be a mother to daughters. And I heard the Spirit of God say, I like them. I love women. And he said, now, Lisa, I know you wish a woman would have been that answer to you, but that's not going to happen. And I'm going to ask you to be that woman 
for other women, that woman that would have noticed, that woman that would have spoken into your life. I want you to be that woman. And and I remember feeling so inadequate. I said, I can't be that woman. I don't even know what that looks like. And he said, yeah, you actually do. Begin to write it backwards. Everything that you wish another woman would have been to you, you begin to be. So I sat down with pen and paper and I said, this is what she would look like when she saw me. I wouldn't see disapproval. I would see welcome. I wouldn't see criticism. I would see somebody that would say, I'm here to come alongside. She would speak from her experience. She wouldn't make her life look perfect. She would open it up and then she would show me the things that were hard for her. But she would also give me a pathway out. She would be vulnerable and strong. And and I just remember writing those things out. And then God said, I don't want a mentoring of pride. I want a mentoring of brokenness. I want you to pour out of your longing because this is what is going to actually bring healing and it was it was shocking to me to see how desperate young women are for mothers and you know, it's still very shocking to me that my number one demographic is young women it is the the women who are 24 to 35 they are the same age as my children they are saying do you see us can you help us can you walk alongside of us and so i love that i'm having this chance again to revisit it in my season of grandmother to actually say to these moms i'm watching for you and i want you to be strong i am so excited about my new book strong So strong is actually leaning in to a deep work of God in your life and then letting that deep purpose actually gain expression. And when we, in the back of our mind, think being a woman is a weakness, being a woman is a problem, when we actually think I could be more powerful if I was a man, then we're actually buying in to the enemy's lie and we're devaluing who God created us to be. You know, years ago, I I wrote a book called Lioness Arising, and I found in a lioness this expression of who women are. They are at once fierce and nurturing. And God actually compares himself to a female lion and a mother bear, which I just think is amazing. And so we have this incredible capacity of protection. We say, hey, 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 this is not right. You know, when you become a mother, I don't, I don't know what happens, but all of a sudden there was a protectiveness that was on my life that had never been there before. And so I think that we have uh, a generation that has confused some of this incredible nurture to be weakness when God is saying, oh, no, 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 that is actually how I am. I was ministering last weekend and somebody said, oh, yeah, Lisa, Miss Perfect Family. And, you know, I, I, I don't think that I've ever done it perfect. And I don't think my husband has ever done it perfect. And I don't think my children have done it perfect, but I will say we have done it well, which means when we've made mistakes, we were healthy enough to admit it and grow from it. 
You know, for many, many years, anger played a destructive role in my life. I would make this whole list of excuses. I would say, hey, listen, I was born angry. I'm half Sicilian. My parents were divorced, remarried, divorced again. I lost an eye. I had this incredible resume on why I could be angry and sin. Now, the Bible is really clear, but、uh, we don't often know how to do this. It says, be angry. And sin not. And, and I thought, I don't know how to do both of those. I know how to, in my anger, sin. I know how, in my anger, to call my husband names. And what happened was my anger went immediately to rage. I didn't know how to do the, I'm upset, I'm going to step back so that we can sit down together. What I did is I attacked people instead of problems. I attacked Character instead of the crisis. But I had a crisis when I had my second child, which was a wake up call. See, we will continue to repeat a pattern of rage until it actually becomes too costly. And with my second son, This became too costly because I found myself now a stay home mom. Now I'm staying home and I'm feeling like a failure. My house is a mess. Every day my husband comes home after taking the only car we had. So I was trapped and asking me, What have you done all day? And I would look at the house. I would look at myself. I would think, Yeah, you're right. I am a hot mess. I have done nothing. I can't. Say one thing I've done. I've brushed my teeth. That's about it. And I've nursed a baby. And one day I just snapped. My son, who I'd put down maybe an hour earlier, kept coming off his bed, coming off his bed, coming off his bed. And I went storming up the stairs. I grabbed my two year old son. He might have been three at that time. And it was like I had a storm in my brain, a storm in my body. God did something so merciful for me. I had lifted my son up eye level and I was just about ready to slam him to the wall when I saw something I'd never seen before. My son was not afraid of what I was going to do because I'd never done anything like that. He was afraid of me. And when I saw the fear of me in my son's eyes, it broke me. And I remembered my own fear and terror as a young child, where I grew up emotionally and physically abused by my mother. And every time she would slap, every time she would kick, every time she shoved me into a wall, I made myself a promise. And it went like this I will never treat my children this way. That was how I had comfort. And then there I was. A born again pastor's wife getting ready to hurt my son. And it utterly and completely broke me. I put him down and I said, Addison, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry I scared you. And I went downstairs. I hit the carpet and I wept like a baby until there was nothing left. And in the stillness, I heard the Spirit of God say, Because you're no longer justifying this, I'll take it out of your life. See, what we justify, we buy. We say we've earned the right to be this way because of what's been done to us. And there is a whole lot of reasons that people can give why they're broken, why they are wounded, why they are hurt. And I 
have so much compassion for that. But I have good news. What Jesus did for you is more powerful than what anybody did to you. And that moment came into a realization for me. I forgave my mother. I called my mother. I repeated what had almost happened and I asked her to forgive me for not forgiving her of a very similar incident. And she began to weep. And then, so I was, of course, forgiven when I confessed my sin to God. He, he forgives us. You know, it's not like he found out about it when I confessed it. He forgives us. But I was healed when I confessed it to my mother. And then when my husband came home from work, I told John what almost happened. And it gave me accountability to break an unhealthy habit. And so it was a, it was the turning point, but then I had to change the pattern. And you know, it took it took up it took about four or five weeks, but that pattern in my life was broken. And as we know to do better, we do better. You know, friendships have always been a difficult thing for me, and I've done it well. And I have not done it well in the past, but friendships are too important not to develop. And so I've had to learn what I'm actually looking for in a friendship. And a real friend cares more about the other person than even maybe the maintenance of the relationship. They speak truth, but they speak truth in love. They do not gossip about you. They protect you. They're not jealous or envious of you, but they actually want to see you grow into everything that God has on your life and for your life. And so they're going to cover. They're going to cover when you mess up, but they're they're going to confront if there's a, a breach in your relationship. And so I think it's important for women to have friendships with women that are older than them women that are their same age and in the same season, and then women who are younger. Probably my most fulfilling female relationships are not with my peers or even with the women over me. It's actually been my connections with the women younger than me. It's when you actually feel like you have something of value to add to their life. Friends, true friends, lift each other and feeling, to be honest with you, at my age, I'm 59, my next birthday, I'll be 60, feeling like at my age, I have this ability to mark a trail for others to walk on is hugely important. And I think that God is looking to this whole generation and saying, baby girl, get in my presence. I have things I want to whisper over your soul. And, and I love that Jesus Calling models that. I absolutely love this devotion from November 2nd, Jesus Calling. Grow strong in the light of my presence. Your weakness does not repel me. On the contrary, it attracts my power, which is always available to flow into a yielded heart. Do not condemn yourself for your constant need of help. Instead, come to me with your gaping neediness. Let the light of my love fill you. A yielded heart does not whine or rebel when the going gets rough. It musters the courage to thank me even during hard times. 
Yielding yourself to my will is ultimately an act of trust. In quietness and trust is your strength. Okay, I love that passage because this is the tone that I find that God has always spoken to me in. He always says, Lisa, it is in your weakness that I show myself strong. I'm not going to anoint the areas where you are already strong and you think, I don't need you. I want to anoint the areas where you are broken, where you are afraid, where I can show myself strong. Too many people think that God has somehow gone mute, and yet Jesus still speaks. He speaks love. He speaks redemption. He says, I do not condemn. He says, I am your light. You don't have to walk in the realm of shadow anymore. Get out of your shame. And I never knew that the day would come where I would be able to take it and translate it for strength for another generation. But that is what strong is all about. One generation telling the next generation of the faithfulness of God. Lisa's new book, Strong, is available wherever books are sold. Stay tuned to Kurt Angle's story after a brief message about a beautiful new edition of Jesus Calling that's the perfect way to celebrate the Easter season. Motherhood. It's a journey like no other, teeming with love, unparalleled dedication, and moments that pierce the very essence of your soul. It's a trek that demands to be celebrated, lauded, and embraced in its entirety. Celebrate the moms in your life this Mother's Day with two beautiful gift books, Jesus Calling for Moms by Sarah Young and Grace for the Moment for Moms by Max Licato. These heartfelt devotionals will remind the moms in your life just how special they are. Jesus Calling for Moms and Grace for the Moment for Moms are available now where all books are sold. During times of transition and unknown next steps, it's more important than ever to cling to the promises of God and to tune your ear to what Jesus has to say. Jesus Calling for Graduates is an encouraging compilation of 150 devotions from Sarah Young's brand. Grads will find topics such as discerning God's will, self-worth, trust, support, and much more. Jesus Calling for Graduates is perfect for both high school and college graduates as they embark on the next chapter. Look for a special custom edition of Jesus Calling for Graduates, available exclusively at faithgateway.com. The Easter season is filled with joy and hope. Now, there's a new way to focus on the holiday with the new book, Jesus Calling for Easter. With 50 Jesus Calling devotions selected just for the Lent and Easter season, Jesus Calling for Easter includes scripture verses alongside breathtaking imagery and exquisite design. Jesus Calling for Easter makes a stunning gift for those who love Jesus Calling and would like a new way to observe the Easter season. To learn more about this beautiful new edition of Jesus Calling, please visit jesuscalling.com books. Our next guest is former WWE wrestler and Olympic champion, Kurt Angle. Kurt was in the business of being strong and became a formidable presence in the wrestling world. He captured national attention in 1996 when he won the 220-pound freestyle wrestling competition at the Olympic Games in Atlanta with a broken neck. 
Four years after earning Olympic gold, Angle joined the WWE and became one of its most prominent figures. But behind the powerful facade was a man who struggled with addiction, just as his father did. And soon Kurt found out that his own strength would not be enough to stop his life from spiraling. He needed God's help. I'm Kurt Angle, 1996 Olympic gold medalist, six-time WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and 13-time World Champion. My fondest memories were playing sports. Uh, my family was very dedicated to uh, athletics. It was the thing that we talked about at the dinner table. It's what we watched on TV. It's what we did every day. And if you weren't a great athlete in the Angle family, you weren't very important. So it was the one thing that I clung to uh, when I was a very little kid. And I wanted to be the best at something. And I found my true love, and that was wrestling. Well, when I started wrestling, I was, I was very young, but I wasn't very good at it, and I didn't like it. Um, my brothers were all wrestlers, and they competed in high school and went to college, and they did fairly well. Um, I, I, on the other hand, liked team sports when I was younger. I uh, didn't feel the pressure as much when you're the only individual out there and everybody's eyes are on you. Um, I was more clinging to baseball, football, basketball because I knew that it didn't rely solely on me. I had to get over that fear eventually and I did. It probably started in junior high. When I was younger, I lost quite a bit. I didn't like the feeling. I wanted to uh, be as good as my brothers, and I wasn't. It was very difficult for me to accept at the time, but what happened was I continued to watch them, and I would study what they did, and I would mimic them, and I would copy them. And my brothers were all great athletes, and I, I knew that um, if I kept at it, something eventually good would happen. My dad was a very good father. Uh, obviously, sports were very important to him. Um, you know, he, he didn't want you to fail out of school. Uh, you know, he, I would say education was second to sports. Uh, but um, he was uh, very responsible as far as providing for us. Uh, he did have a, a problem. He was an alcoholic, and uh, he did it all day, every day. And the great thing about my dad was he never missed a sporting event. Um, he would go straight from work to whatever event we had and he would watch it. So he worked all day, he'd watch our sporting events and then he would go home, drink and pass out. Uh, this was a daily thing. I saw this as a child. You know, I didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him. When I was 15 years old, my father died in a construction accident. Um, I didn't really know my dad. I. My dad wasn't very affectionate. He was quiet. He was uh, to himself. You know, uh, one thing I did think about was I didn't want to become that guy. And, um, uh, you know, 25 years later, I was, I, was, I was the same guy as my father in every aspect. When I say I copied my dad in every aspect, I really did. My dad went to church every week. Uh, my dad prayed quite a bit. Uh, my father had a relationship with Jesus Christ. He did it in a way that, hey, God, you and I were cool. So when I do this little thing on the side, let me have this 
and 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 I'll stay true to you every step of the way. Um, I made that deal too. I had this, you know, love affair on the side with the alcohol and drugs, and I also had my relationship with God. But I never mixed it. So it was like, oh, I'm going to turn off right now. I'm going to go to my drink and my drugs, and I'll get back to you in a few hours. I broke my neck uh, in 2003, the second time. The first time was in the 1996, right before the Olympics, I broke my neck. It sounds crazy, but I knew that I would sacrifice anything to be out there and compete. So the first thing I had to do with when you have a broken neck and you have... Um, you have discs in your neck sticking into your vertebrae. Um, it's hard to get a doctor to clear you to wrestle. Um, so I had to convince a doctor to clear me uh, with, with my vertebrae being broken and my discs being stuck into my spinal cord. Uh, so um, I did find a doctor, and that doctor gave me a healing agent uh, that probably did a limited amount of things, but it probably did help with the healing. But at the same time, he would stick me with 10 or 12 different shots of Novocaine in my neck. So when I would go out there, I literally couldn't feel it. <laughs> so um, I felt it an hour later. I was in excruciating pain. But during that certain match, every match, I couldn't feel my neck. So it wasn't that difficult to overcome. And I never looked at it from a long-term standpoint. Am I damaging my neck long-term? I didn't care. I, I was in the Olympics, and this is all I ever wanted to do. Um, and I knew if I didn't compete in the Olympics in 96, I wasn't guaranteed to make it in 2000. Um, so I decided that I was going to do it, whether it killed me or not, um, whether I became paraplegic or not. Um, I was the guy with the X on him, and I was the guy to beat. So I knew that I had to be 10 times better than I was that year. And I did. I did it. I was, uh, I, I did what I had to do. And, um, a lot of people wanted me to continue to wrestle the coaches. I was going to get a big shoe deal with Nike if I continued. But here I was with a broken neck, and I just won the gold. I won the worlds. I'm, I wanted to just get away from it, and uh, it was too much for me. If I didn't have God in my life, I would have been overwhelmed, and I just put way too much pressure on myself, and I didn't like that feeling, so I had to get away from it. I was introduced to painkillers. I uh, didn't even know what they were, and uh, started taking them, and I, would, I got hooked right away. Um, you know, one wasn't enough, and then I went to two, and then two went to four, and my body built a tolerance, so I had to keep doubling and keep taking it, and I got to the point where I took 65 extra strength Vicodin a day. Um, it was, it, I was out of control. I didn't know how to handle it. Uh, I tried to hide it, even though I was probably high half the time, uh, and I, I probably thought I was hiding it well, but I probably wasn't. Uh, the alcohol didn't come in until um, I got over the painkillers and I wanted that high feeling again, but I didn't want to go there because I didn't want to go through the withdrawal and everything that, that occurs with taking painkillers. So I started taking Xanax and I started drinking. Uh, it was two beers and three, then 12, and, you know, uh, so I, 
you know, I, I started mixing different drugs and uh, trying to get my high feeling after I got done with work every day. So it was something that I had to do that I remember my dad was doing uh, when I was growing up. I was copying what my father did. So I was doing this for a good seven years. It wasn't until 2013 that I decided to get clean, and that's because my wife was gonna leave me. She said, I can't do this anymore, and uh, I don't want your money. I just, uh, I wanna live a life that's, you know, without drugs or alcohol, and I wanna live happily, and I'm not happy because you're not here. I didn't really realize that until I got into rehab. And when I learned about my disease and I learned about um, how it can affect other people, I didn't realize how selfish I was. And uh, so the going to rehab was the first step. When I got into rehab, I thought that, first of all, <laughs> I thought I was going just for alcohol and I was taking morphine and, and Xanax and muscle relaxers. And I thought I was just going into rehab for alcohol and I thought I could hide the other stuff. And they said, you can't bring that in here with you. I said, well, they're prescribed to me. And they said, it doesn't matter. So um, I knew I was gonna, you know, I was letting it all go. I was terrified. Uh, every day, the one thing I worried about is, what if I end up a screw up? What if I can't stay clean? So every day I kept praying and just, God, please just, you know, I don't want to be a screw up. I don't want to come out of here and, and go back to where I was. I want to progress. I want to move forward. And I prayed every day. I prayed quite a bit. And I continue to pray because it's not easy staying clean. But I've been clean and sober for almost six years now, and I haven't had any problems. So my life has changed dramatically because of my relationship with Jesus Christ, because I gave myself to him entirely rather than a portion of me. I never watched wrestling. I, the only people I knew were Bruno Sammartino, because he's from Pittsburgh. Um, I knew Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. Um, that's it. They were just bigger than life characters that everybody knew about. So it was, it was a very sobering year for me when I signed because I had to educate myself on what was going on and learn about the, the best wrestlers of that era, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. The Rock, who both of them, I wrestled against them for world titles and beat them both for the world championship. The problem is you wrestle probably 300 days a year. You're in a different city every day. You travel throughout the world. That's hard enough as it is. It's not easy flying to a city, going to the gym, working out, hurry up, get to the arena, do your match, then travel five hours to the next city and then sleep for six hours and get up and do the same thing. And just you just keep doing it over and over and over. It, it wasn't easy. My career has gone up and down, a lot of roller coasters. Um, what keeps me rooted? Being reliable, being reliable for my kids. You know, it's crazy because I, I want to be a person that my kids look up to and that they say, you know what, dad's a good dad and he's a good person. You know, I'm always changing and always thinking, what's the next step for me? Where, where do I go from here and how do I make it? And a lot of it is prayer and, uh, you know, my relationship with Jesus and asking him, where do I go? I listen to him quite a bit. I can't believe I didn't listen all these years. 
uh, it took me until I turned my 40s to listen and understand. And um, uh, now I listen to every word he says. It helps me deal with my life and what I need to do to make my life better. To keep up with Kurt Angle, you can visit him via social media on Facebook. If you'd like to hear more stories about finding strength in God, check out our interview with Southwest Airlines pilot Tammy Jo Schultz. Do you love hearing these stories of faith weekly from people like you whose lives have been changed by a closer walk with God? Then be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Calling Stories of Faith podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, leave us a review so that we can reach others with these inspirational stories. And you can also see these interviews on video as part of our original web series, with a new interview premiering every other Sunday on Facebook Live. Find previously broadcast interviews on our YouTube channel, on IGTV, or on JesusCalling.com slash video.